Welcome to the Woo Woo Woman podcast. My name is Shelly and I'm your host. I'm a self-taught astrologer, modern mystic, yogic guide, and women's empowerment coach living in the South Florida area. This podcast was created with the intention to share the tools, people, and modalities that have continued to help me shift and heal to up-level my life in efforts to inspire and encourage you to do the same. Thank you so much for being with me. Hello and welcome to the Woo Woo Woman podcast. Today I have Jillian Costa, who is a functional dietitian that we recently just connected um, a couple weeks ago and we were riffing for a while, like good girlfriends. And I was like, babe, I need you on my podcast. I need you to share your insights and your perspectives on all things eating, behavior, emotion, and she's like, it's done. So here we are today. I'm really, really stoked to have this conversation. And as always, thank you for listening. And if you love this podcast, please make sure to tag Jillian, to tag myself, and to share this content with somebody who could really, really benefit from it. Thank you so much for taking the time out, Jillian, to like step into this container with me and for those of you who don't know, she is going to be speaking live at an event that we are going to be working with together um, in the Keys. So if you're interested in seeing her live and seeing her at work, definitely check that out. The link will be in the show notes to sign up. But girl, tell me all the things. When you and I were talking about you know, stepping into sharing your gifts at this event and you were telling me a little bit about it, I was so enthralled and engaged because I found a little bit of myself in there. Um, but your perspective is just like so rich, so, so rich. Can you give us a little backstory on how you ended up where you are knowing all these things, personal, you know, journey to this functional dietitian that you are and how you work with your clients? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much, my love for having me. Like we, we connected and clicked like right away. And I was like, you're such a sister. <laughs> such a so, sister. <laughs> so happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm a functional dietitian. Functional medicine means like root cause medicine. Like it's our kind of job in this modality of medicine to figure out what's going on beneath the surface. But in my personal journey and my perspective, both personally and professionally, the root cause in for so many of us is trauma and how that manifests in the body um, how we cope with it and, and very much, you know, and for a lot of women, it revolves around food. Um, and so what I do is help support the physiology, you know, help balance hormonal function, gut health, support weight loss, et cetera. But I have to tackle and kind of weave into like the behavioral realms of that and like the coping mechanisms and the strategies and the kind of fear around feeling certain uncomfortable emotions, like there's so much wrapped into that, into that world. And so that's what I do now. But the way that I got there is that, you know, I experienced complex trauma as a really young child and um, kind of moved through life with that perspective of myself and low self-worth, low self-esteem and had an eating disorder from a really young age. You know, I was in and out of treatment in my early 20s for binge eating and bulimia and just like that was like my state that's kind of like where I lived and I was so frustrated and unhappy and isolated and super disempowered and insecure and all of the things and and just like had this thing in me that like 
people are out there living happily and like, I'm not so like, what the fuck? Like, what do I have to do to get there? And so I was knocking on every door trying to get out of that space and knew that it wasn't about the food. It wasn't about following a particular diet, even though like part of my, where I was prompted me to pursue nutrition because I had taken a few classes and fell in love with the science. Um, But it wasn't just about following a diet. And so I, I knew very early on that it was like, the intersection between, you know, the, the food, the eating, the nutrition, but also the behavioral. And so that's kind of the world that I exist in is like helping to helping women connect with their bodies, connect with their power. And food has been the doorway because food has also been the substance in which they, they numb and they become disempowered. And we can also, you can flip that coin and and let that be the doorway in which we access our power. Because, you know, I said to you like, yeah, I'm a dietitian. I I focus on nutrition. I understand biochemistry and physiology. And that's my jam. I love that. But what I give like so many fucks about is like empowering women and helping women connect and reconnect to their their power. And that's underneath the numbness. That's that's underneath the, the dissociation whether that be food or any other substance. So that's, uh, it's been my journey. I've, I've implemented everything that I now teach on myself. I've, I've been a guinea pig, tried all the, the tactics and found the thing that has ultimately transformed my relationship with, with food, but really with myself, um, allowed me to access my power and, and heal from my wounds. And, and so now that's, that's what I do with women. I love that so much. Do you find, and like, this is just like a random question, like with, within your personal journey that you were choosing different foods in connection to like, cause obviously we know everything is energy, right? And food is a source of energy and it has a molecular combination and it has a form of giving us and, you know, programming our cells to create new cells because essentially our body recreates new cells from what it's given, right? So do you find that there were perhaps like points in your life or traumas in your life, thought processes, pains, or emotions where you maybe were reaching for something specific and not really knowing that that specific item was um, a form of like nourishment that your body was calling for outside of like the physical, but the emotional and mental, like the combination there. I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but hopefully you get it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean like, so when I would binge, like it was never on broccoli, you know what I mean? Like it was like the energy around it was like compulsive and dissociative and like, it was like a fix, you know? And, And in part, that's like a lot of biology, right? Like from when we were like nomads, our brains light up from like rich, salty, fatty, sweet, because that's what allowed, you know, the sustaining of our, our species. Um, and so those, those foods are more pleasurable. Um, but they also have like serious ramifications in the body, obviously. Does that answer your question? Like I wasn't ever, when I was in that compulsive state, it wasn't, it wasn't from a nourishment perspective. It was from an emotional perspective. Like the whole energy around it is self-soothing. Yeah. And that's like, so my whole thing's coffee. So my mom's Cuban and I've been given coffee since I was five, obviously at the age of five, it was probably more milk than coffee. And still to this day, I prefer my coffee with more milk. And I know that coffee is a stimulant, which recently 
I've recognized that I can't have more than like one cup of coffee because it gets like my nervous system like really pumped now for whatever reason. Um, but I was reading this book and it was an, I forget what name of the name of the book was, but anyways, you flip to it and it was almost like the need or like the wanting of that milk from your mother. Mm. And I never really had, you know, a very uh, healthy, nurturing relationship with my mother. And because she was the one giving me the coffee and because of all of the milk and like the mothers feed the baby from the breasts of the milk and all that stuff, I'm like, I wonder if there's like deeper like healing. And I'm sure that all of us have something like that. That's like more of like a memory or an association, right? That it's like, comforting or you know satisfying to some emotional extent as opposed to like the physical need for it no question I mean so when I was like four years old and I was experiencing this world that I was in my little friend across the street her father was the guy that restocked vending machines so there was like an abundance of candy at my disposal all the time and so like I remember like that was a source of pleasure in my four-year-old brain that's a great word to put it but it's also it's pleasure but it's like this surrogate comfort it's like surrogate nurturance is really what it is like we you know we're not turning to drugs and alcohol at at, you know four years old but like it's the same kind of effect that like can kind of like transition into drugs and alcohol because it's like that at self-soothing like if we weren't I was also in a similar space with my mom mm-hmm. where you know my, my mom was super wrapped up in her own trauma and and just mm-hmm. wasn't nurtured herself and so didn't have that to give me and so I we find ways I sucked my thumb till an embarrassing age like we find <laughs> we find ways to self-soothe at whatever we can grab and then that becomes like that that becomes an adapt adaptation like we like upgrades into our software and like we just kind of roll with that until we learn and unlearn that and and learn new skills and so like that process of learning how to meet my my needs because we all have emotional needs deeply Mm -hmm. right and so like so much of my work is like identifying what the need actually is and then finding other ways to meet that that doesn't revolve around food or any habit that actually disempowers Mm, I love that so much. And I love the word that you use, like the surrogate pleasure. It's so true because there is something, you know, at that young age, like you don't recognize what's lacking because you're like really functioning from that like subconscious level. And you're just like, ah, but then you find something that gives you that like solace. Right. And you're just like, you, you, you gravitate towards that because it's, it's not there in the form in a healthy form so to speak. Right. So interesting. Now, like when you work through this with your clients, what is something like this kind of look like? I'm sure obviously an intake form, but I mean, I would imagine that a lot of people don't even recognize trauma as trauma sometimes. And the association with food and that particular happening being so poignant in their life that it's caused them to have this kind of relationship with, with food and nutrition. I mean, this is, this is going to sound like whatever, but if, if we're carrying excess weight, anyone carrying excess weight means that they are bypassing their physiological hunger fullness cues. Yeah. 
So in my mind, immediately that flags some sort of an emotional component to eating, because if we were eating for satiety and nourishment, we would likely stop when we were full and then we would push the plate away. But if it's, there's an emotional drive, it's like, oh, that thing is so good. Like it can't, I can't not finish it. It's like this compulsion that really takes over. So there's an emotional component to that. So, um, when, when a woman comes to me or a man comes to me even with, with excess weight, wanting to lose weight, it's like, okay, well, there's, you know, there's the, the practical level, right? Like what are you cleaning up their diet, teaching them nutrition education, da, da, da. But then there's like the habitual side and the emotional psychological side. And it's like, why has food been what you've been Mm. on to help yourself soothe? What are you really needing? And so I mean, I have a couple different offerings within my practice. People come to me for acute conditions or chronic conditions. And so we kind of remain in the realm of, of like functional nutrition, but then the other offerings that I have are, it's called the garden. And it's a, it's a three month group for women who struggle with emotional eating. Uh, and we involve the use of ketamine assisted psychotherapy. I work with a physician who administers the ketamine. And so we're deep diving into subconscious programming around food. And so that in that realm and the other offering is that version but it's one-on-one um and so in that container we i'm I'm really teaching um so there's a dietary i'm supporting them physiologically from a nutrition and supplementation perspective so like they're learning about how to eat for their bodies it's all one-on-one in that in that regard but then there's sisterhood in that container and i'm teaching these women essentially how to feel like I'm, I'm helping to shift their relationship with feelings because what mm-hmm. happens is that we get like, we get like this, this anxiety or this overwhelm or this discomfort in the body. And we might not recognize it because we're so used to kind of like checking out with whatever substance is there. And so helping them to create a safe space within themselves to feel, to bring in an uncomfortable emotion little by little, um, be with it, feel it. And then there's no longer a need to numb it. Because once you've felt the feeling and you're the one holding yourself through the discomfort of feeling it, you don't have to numb it anymore. It's, it's moving, it's gone or it's shifting. Mm-hmm. And so that's much of what I do. Yeah. I remember like what comes to mind. And I remember this, this memory vividly, I was laying with my mom in bed and I remember looking at this thing in the corner and I was, my mind was making up these scary visions of like what it was it's a monster it's a person whatever and I I woke up my mom and I was like mom what is that she's like it's just a pile of dirty laundry and then she turned on the light and it was like it loses its power over you right and the mind is such a fucking powerful tool but at the same time thought processes trigger emotions and emotions trigger action right so if you don't even if you like, obviously our conscious thoughts, like you're only aware of like a fraction of like, what, like, what is it like 50 something thousand thoughts that we have a day or something? I probably have more. <laughs> Cause the copy. <laughs> yeah. Cause the copy. Right. So like you have all these different thoughts that are actually initiating an emotion that you're not always conscious of. So being able to like be conscious of your feelings will help you also recognize, okay, these thoughts what the way I'm currently feeling, it must be something going on, right? Mm -hmm. Like in my mind, there might be a belief, there might be like a constant, like you're repeating something, you know, in your mind or whatever the case may be. And then when you tap into that, when you allow the mind to drop into the heart, 
right? And you feel it, it, it takes off those scary layers and it almost at the bottom of that, you almost find your joy. No question. Right. Cause I've had that experience. Like I've been like bawling in the bathtub, like, ah, like literally exorcism cries. And then at the bottom, I'm like, Oh my God. And now I'm laughing. <laughs> same girl, same, like more, more times than I can count. But the cool thing is like, so, so women might be listening to this and being like, okay, well, cool. Like, let me just like be more mindful. Like it's, it's difficult to like implement that, that pattern when it hasn't previously existed. So what I like to teach is like the coolest thing ever is like, we all, especially like those who reach for a substance or food or whatever, like we have a built-in alarm system. And so what that looks like is anytime that you feel the urge to eat or feel the urge to numb, that's like the siren going off in your body saying like, there's discomfort here. There's something I'm not wanting to feel. I'm wanting to stuff it down. And that's the cue. That becomes the cue to like, sit your ass down, put your hand on your heart and your other on your belly and, and breathe. Sit with yourself as if you were the little girl who just needed her mom and needed her, her mom's patience. Like, I got you, Miha. Like, take your time. What What's going on? Tell me. Like, show me. And that becomes like the doorway. And so like every time that siren blares, it's like that becomes your signal to go in and, and to feel what's really there. And, and that's like the chipping away of that pattern, that groove that's been so ingrained. Dude, like what you said just brought about like such clarity because my mom was like constantly on the go. Yeah. She didn't slow down. So like be like, Miha, what's going on? Like, talk to me. And yeah, I mean, that's what coffee does to me. Sometimes it like really heightens me up to that point, but yeah, interesting. So, so interesting. We do what? We were taught, we treat ourselves how we were treated by our caregivers. And so like, if your mom, like my mom didn't have a lot of, like, I remember homework time was like grueling. It was like, figure this out. Like, I don't have time. I got to go make dinner. I got to Like she was in survival mode and like, bless her. Right. Like she was like, you know, but I, what I needed was not that. What I needed was like someone to sit down and hear me and feel me. And, and I, I had time to like work through what was going on in my little body and like, you know, not to be rushed and like given like a time frame. Like, hey, you got like three minutes to feel and then like, or else I'm going to eat now. You know what I mean? Like, it's really like, what did she need? And then practicing giving that to yourself. But that initial alarm is like the ultimate trigger for that, for that new pattern. Wow. I love that. Quick question actually too, but I know that you said like when you have like excess weight, um, like there's obviously like something going on where like emotionally you're trying to like numb. What is your, like, there are some diseases or some like um, clinical things that go on that cause excess weight. I mean, I know where I'm at with that. I definitely feel like there's definitely still an emotional layer to that, but I just wanted to see like what your take on was that, you know, like touching on that with yeah. the weight. Totally. So like, I mean, I just five minutes before we started rolling, I shared a little story on, on Instagram about how I have this guy, I have this client who's carrying like 15, 20 pounds of excess weight and she's following the protocol like to a T. She's got a trainer she's working out with like several days a week. She's super dialed in. She's got a continuous glucose monitor. So her fasting glucose is within optimal range. Her glucose curve is, looks beautiful and she can't seem to lose the weight. And so 
she had some some GI issues that sparked me to do to order a GI map for her, which is basically like a stool sample and find out what's inhabiting her gut. And I found a 5,000 time overgrowth of a particular microbe in within her normal flora. So it wasn't like pathogenic, but in that abundance of, you know, population, it's really uh, incredibly inflammatory to her central nervous system. And so it's perpetuating her to remain in fight or flight instead of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is like rest and restore and repair and heal and digest and da da da. So she's constantly in a state of stress. Cortisol is surging through her veins because of this stress from the internal source, and she can't lose the weight. So, like, that's an example of a physiological kind of manifestation of an inability to lose weight, not, not from an emotional standpoint. So, you're totally right. It doesn't always look like that. Um, of course, you can have like adrenal fatigue or hypothyroidism or other conditions that make it really challenging for someone to lose weight. Um, but there's such an energetic component into oh, yeah. I mean, the adrenals are the solar plexus chakra. The, the thyroid is the, is the throat chakra, like so much suppression of our truth, so much uh, inability to set boundaries, um, personal power, self-confidence. Like I believe that, the, you know, trauma manifests in, in the physical and there's an energetic realm to all of that. It's completely inextricable. And so like there still is an emotional component to someone with hypothyroidism that can't lose weight, even though she's eating well. It's like, mama, what's, what's your truth that you're not speaking? Okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm actually with my girls. Like, um, I love how you said sisterhood too, because like having that support and having like other women going through whatever it is that you're going through is such a powerful thing. So, so powerful. And like, you could even feel it when you go to a workout class, when there's more people there, it's like, woo, let's go. Like, we've got this girls, like, okay. let's get this done. But like, when there's one person in there, you're like, there's no driving you to do more. Right. So that, that sisterhood is like massive. Um, but like going back to, um, the mind gut connection, I'm about to do like a zoom call with my girls because like, there are studies where they can take stool samples. They can analyze the stool samples and literally tell you what's going on with your mind. Right. About girl, girl, yeah. Holistic nurse here, girl. I was in, like, I wanted to do not exactly yeah. what you're doing, but I wanted to do, you know, that part of it. And like spirit pulled me out in the other direction, but I do know a lot about it. And there's a really fascinating, I think it's a book. It's called the mind gut connection. And then there's also a video and I, I don't know if it's called the mind gut connection. Um, but it's so fascinating. If you, if you're listening and you haven't watched it, please watch it because there is such, there's so much to gut. Cause that is your first brain. Right. And then like, so they even look the same, right. They even look the same and it affects your mindset. So if you can't, if you can't get your gut health in check, like your mind is not going to, it's not going to, you know, couple with it. Well, it's a bi-directional force. So like stress influences the growth of pathogenic bacteria in the gut and then shitty food that creates the growth of pathogenic bacteria in the gut influences the mind because 95 of right percent of serotonin receptors are in the gut. So you will be depressed, you will be irritable and moody and, and all that if you're feeding those bacteria that that kind of overpopulate and create that that mentality, that that psychological state. And so um yeah, bidirectional and and it's also the emotional brain, you know, like what happens when we get stressed? Like we contract. Sometimes that manifests in diarrhea, usually it manifests in constipation, but like it's it's all gut related right and so 
yeah, it's fascinating. I'm, I love, I love learning about the gut. It's a, it's been a big passion of mine. Gut health. Yeah. I need you to send my stool sample. I feel like something's going on in there. Yeah, you girl. It's so right. insightful. Absolutely. Right. It so is. Cool. And I, it's Actually, funny. I have mine at the lab right now. I do it like once a year. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you my shit. <laughs> <laughs> well luckily it doesn't get sent to me it goes right to the lab luckily <laughs> luckily or you'd be like what the hell? this is so hilarious but like the, like whatever so like you have to like you have to do the sample and then like make sure that FedEx is open if not it has to remain in your refrigerator oh god that's right time it well is all I'm gonna say <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I'm every morning like clockwork I'll go mm-hmm. yeah I would really like to send it and like I, I haven't done it since I worked for for a health clinic facility quite a few years ago but um I definitely feel like something's going on there and plus I was traveling I went to like Costa Rica and all these different things so like I don't know if I like maybe picked something up but um for sure like that is like such an amazing piece of knowledge for people because I think at least in the Western, you know, world, we see like these mental things and we're just like, okay, take a pill, but that pill is also affecting your gut too, right? It's not like, okay, like I feel better, but it's also blasting something in your system that we don't, and you know, the Western world doesn't really take note of unless there's something serious going on with your gut. Do they actually take that as precedent? Whereas like that should be precedent almost in my opinion, like gut health should be like stool sample first, then let's regroup, you know? Yes, absolutely. Literally like everything affects the microflora in your gut. So like every different food feeds a different strain and every all you know thoughts and emotions like promote the growth or not of certain bacteria and you can think of like your your intestinal lining as like a big parking lot so like there's a lot of surface area in there and but like there's only so much right and so like when a good guy is parked on on the tissue a bad guy can't park there and like vice versa so you want to feed the growth of the good guys so they can like take up more of the spots it's like real estate yes Wow. I love this conversation so much. There's a book that I read a couple of years ago. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the yoga of eating. Oh, cool. No, no. So like, I know that we're talking about like the food, but like also the relationship you have with eating, like if you're like, yeah. like scarfing it, right. Or if you're like, are you watching something and eating this book goes into it. Um, and it's really fascinating because up until reading this book, like I, I mean, it's there that you're like, Oh, like I probably shouldn't be like, but we really just eat to like taste and like fill up our bellies, but it's like such a ritual. Like it is a ritual that you can like begin to embody and that awareness in and of itself of like how you eat, how you're chewing. And it actually really suggests like eating alone and making it like a meditative process. Because even when you're conversing with other people, depending on what you're, what you're, you know, talking about, you're almost like, cause you know, spelling words, spells, you know, like words have power, right? That's what they say, pray over your food, all that stuff. So like, as you're having this conversation, you're like essentially eating that conversation. Yeah. And the energy, like if you're, yeah. if you're watching the news, which like, I never right. recommend 
doing, but like never talking and like venting or listening to somebody else vent and you're eating, like that's the energy. But you're also like your your state from a nervous system perspective is now in fight or flight. And when it's in fight or flight, because we're designed for survival, like the body doesn't give a shit about digestion. The body needs to run away so that it can survive, right? Mm-hmm. And so like all the blood rushes away from your internal organs to your extremities so that you can like haul ass. So you're like maldigesting, malabsorbing, like food's like kind of sitting in your stomach and like it, it can slow transit time, which is like the amount of time that it takes to get from like mouth to anus. And like that creates SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and like the whole thing. I mean, it's a thing. <laughs> wow. Such a thing. Such I love the conversation because like, I think that this is like an awareness that not, not a lot of people really think about, you know, and it's huge. It's like what we do three, four or five times a day. Yeah. So like the, the state that you're in when you're eating is huge. Um, of course, what you're eating is huge. And then I don't know if you've ever fasted, but I was just about to ask you about fasting, girl. We are on the same, we are on the same circle train, girl. <laughs> so there's a really powerful book, The Transformational Power of Fasting, I believe. I did, I did a, a three-day fast. Um, it was a water fast uh, over the summer. I was getting ready to sit in ceremony with, uh, I'm in a woman's group of some amazing badass women. And uh, so we met for a ceremony in Colorado and we were all doing this three-day fast together and we were all listening to this audiobook. And it was profound because the audiobook talks about, um, you know, and we know this, right? But it talks about like what food represents. I mean, food is like sustenance for life, but it's also what bonded us to our mothers. You know, there's so much- it's there's so much wrapped up in eating, in feeding ourselves and removing food from your life for a couple of days really like kind of makes you face off a little bit with like your mortality and like what does food actually mean to you? Like I remember what came through for me in that experience was like my mom, my dad was away at art school when I was an infant. My mom was like in major survival mode, working at this toxic environment. She was the only woman being like basically sexually harassed by all these asshole men in, in, in the space. It was like she was working in the marketing department for a liquor company. And so it was like that vibe. And uh, I was in daycare at six weeks old. So like infant, infant, like passed on to some stranger. And I remember like somatically I would I was going into like deep meditative spaces when I was when I was fasting but like uh, like a somatic memory came through of like me hysterically crying and like my mom not being present and like just this fear of like holy shit I'm alone you're not my mother like I don't know who the hell you are but you're definitely not her and then my mom shared that like one of her favorite parts of me being that age was was nursing me because obviously the mom is getting all this oxytocin and so is the baby. And so like, she's in a relaxed state finally, probably for the one time of her day, you know, and I'm, I'm bonding with her. And so like feeding was like, what felt so good and so safe to me because all this other part of my day, I felt scared and alone and alarmed. And so food was really like a fucking hug from the inside. And like the unprogramming that at 34 years old has taken me 34 years. Uh, damn. Yeah. I remember like, and I don't, I don't obviously have memories like that, but I do remember similarly, like I remember crying and my mom not being there. Um, and I always felt like she wasn't my mom. Um, 
I mean, I know she was biologically, but I always felt like she wasn't my mom, like growing up. And that, that makes sense because she was a single mother and she was working and there was like this, you know, at a very young age, this like disassociation of like, yeah, you're, you're going over there. So crazy to think like that. So in our first conversation, I recommended this book called Mother Hunger. Yes, that's right. I recommend this fucking book. So one of the gems in there is it talks about like nerve. It's almost like a, like a nervous system, like Bluetooth, like as a, as a baby from years zero to three, our nervous system syncs up to the nervous system of our mother, even in utero, like that's been proven. Absolutely. Um, And so like, if she is in a stress state because she's in a dysfunctional relationship or she's getting out of a relationship or she's working a couple jobs or she's stressed or she's got unprocessed trauma, whatever's going on internally for her is what our baseline becomes. And Mm. so then the self-soothing is just like, we're set up for that. Like that's survival. We, no creature in nature can survive in a stressed state perpetually. And so we are programmed to self-soothe thumb sucking, whatever mechanism, pacifiers, food, over-consuming, whatever, like that's biology because we're trying to get ourselves from a stress state to a relaxed state because that's where we're supposed to survive. That's homeostasis. So read that book. <laughs> yeah, I definitely need to read that, especially now because like I'm like getting images of my youngest son. He is like super energized, like super like like if he's awake, he's awake, he is on and he is running around. And now I'm like, am I like that around him? Probably. (laughs) Right. So, um, definitely a lot to think about too, like on the reverse end of like, yeah, my mom and me, but like me and my children as well. Right. It's like taking on this, this different perspective and, you know, how can we begin to on our own, become a little bit more aware. I mean, I'm sure these books are really, really powerful. Um, Become a little bit more aware of how we're functioning. And these types of conversations, I think do a really great job of doing that and kind of waking people up to like their own, you know, way of being. Cause like when you hear somebody talk, your mind is already like, hold on, wait, how could, how could this connect to me? Right. It's just natural, but from like a broader perspective, peering in as we're, we're moving through life, what are some key things that you would give maybe like top three suggestions to start implementing, to begin to have a little bit more of an awareness with that like emotional behavioral type of connection relationship that we have with, with food, with what we eat and all of that. So I'm a really big fan of ritual, of morning ritual. Um, it's just like, my dog, hey. Hey. <laughs> um, it is like, it's like a matter of like, whether I feel like it or not, it's my space to, to get into my body. So that's the second and probably the third embodiment work. Um, mm-hmm. Daisy. So whether you feel like it or not, I don't care if you've got an hour or if you have five minutes, like sit in the same space, tune in to what's going on in your body. It can literally just look like hand on your heart, one hand on your belly and breathe. Close your eyes and just like, what is, what am I feeling? And this is what I teach to my people. It's like, it's not an intellectual pursuit. Oh, I think I'm feeling sad. I'm stressed, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's because this person said this, da, da, da. It's somatic. It's like, 
what are the sensations in my body? What mm -hmm. are the sensations feel like in my body? Because that's where all the healing takes place. It's not going to happen in the mind. It's not going to happen from analyzing. That's the ego loop that we spin in forever. It's endless. But when you can drop it down into the body, you can feel it, you can heal it, you can move through it. Um, and so morning ritual, um, whether it's listening to a guided meditation, doing your own practice, just breathing, just feeling, you can be laying on your back. It doesn't have to, it can look like yours, like make it your own, but just give yourself that gift every single day, no matter what. Um, and then embodiment work. I'm a really big fan of dance, mm -hmm. uh, closing my eyes. Uh, in the beginning, when I was practicing this and really starting to get into my body, I had my mirrors covered. I was in like a pretty deep space for like <laughs> a few months. I had all my mirrors covered because I was the woman who would stand in front of the mirror and pick apart her body. And I received a really clear download in, in medicine with that like that I needed to starve the ego and that was ego food. And wow. like, just feel, just feel your body, feel what's in there. Don't don't base your mood on what you're what you look like in the mirror so I, I was strict about it like even when I was walking my dog and I would, there was like a reflection on a window like I wouldn't look I was like I read and it helped me so much so like closing closing my eyes dancing like slowly it doesn't have to be sensual there's no end game it's just like what does this feel like um, and then I, I think the third that's probably the second and the third and then the fourth would be breath, um, breath yeah. work. Really just like, this is like, this is primal. It is life force energy. It's also like the pathway to what's in your body. Like you can access it through breath. Because when we're shallow breathing, we're in that state of fight or flight, we have access to none of it. But when we can slow down and like, it's almost like that's the, that's the way to the feelings is through the breath. And so, um, yeah, practicing, practicing that. And it could be like a, a five, 10 minute thing. Yeah. My morning practices are essential. I have an AM and an evening practice. And like I told you today, I was like, today has been day because I missed my morning little situation, but it is something that I think grounds you. And it also clears you because sometimes when you wake up, you have like the remnants of the day before, and then you almost take those on as the day of instead of like honoring this space and saying like okay like I choose this like I choose this I feel this vibration I want to engulf myself in this vibration and like moving with that yes. um throughout the rest of your day whereas like sometimes when you wake up again like you have like the stagnant stickiness of the day before kind of just hanging out yeah or even like at night like we process so much in a in a dream state I mean, that's all subconscious stuff. We're doing work sometimes. And like, yeah. I've had a good day. And then the next morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, and it's like, I don't, I don't know if it was from the previous day, but whatever I was going through in my dreams was sticky. And, and also it's like, yes, it's cleansing, but it's like, it's like a gift to yourself. And right. I had a therapist told, tell me one time as I was like, she's like, you know, it's all about self-love. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, nobody ever talks about how to get there. And so she said sure. the most brilliant thing. She's like, consistent acts of self-care is the path to self-love and so like showing up for yourself every single day whatever comes from it it's still an act of self-care it's consistent and that has like compounding interest like over time mm -hmm. that becomes like you can't live without it yeah so good mm -hmm.
Do you have like any um, stories, and obviously without any names, that you can share to kind of have listeners understand like where somebody was, how working with you has really transformed where they are and so on and so forth? I mean, yeah. Um, Give us, I love these stories. I'm like on the edge. I was talking to Dr. Michelle at one of her podcasts and she was like talking about something. I was literally like, that needs to be a lifetime movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so there, there was a woman who experienced a lot of trauma in, in her, in her youth and didn't have any recollection, right? Because like one of the phenomenons of the brain is, is dissociation and and repression of uh, intrusive memories, right? Because we're programmed to get love, receive love. And and so sometimes when we experience something in childhood um, that's so intense and and chaotic, like we kind of shut down and we can shut that down so much so that it's no longer in our conscious awareness. It's deep, deep in the psyche and the subconscious. And so this woman was living from this space of like, this trauma, but it wasn't, it wasn't known. It was unconscious. And so she developed an eating disorder. She was carrying excess weight. She was, you know, really unhappy and, and, um, troubled, I guess. And so in, in working with me, as I mentioned, like we use, we use ketamine and it's actually Dr. Michelle Weiner, who's the one that facilitates the ketamine. I love her so much. Um, and so using ketamine and, or any plant medicine really allows allows us or allowed her to go into a deep space subconsciously. Of course, there was like a lot of prep that went into this um, so that she felt safe to kind of go into these spaces in, in medicine. But what came through was repressed memory of sexual abuse from when she was really, really young, like pre-verbal. And so with that insight, it was like this huge opening for her to see herself for the first time in her life, understanding like why she treated herself like that and understanding why she used food to help self-soothe, why she felt uncomfortable around men, why her, her sexual life was so um, triggering for her and, and ultimately repressed, um, why she just had such a dysfunctional relationship with herself. And so uh, over the course of this experience, these women go through three different ketamine experiences. And so we really got to peel back the layers of what was there for her. And she ended up just having this incredible transformation. Um, Of course, her physiology reflects that, like weight loss is a byproduct of health, but it's really a byproduct of self-love and and self-connection and how you treat yourself. And so she's had this incredible transformation where where it's almost like she found herself again, um, is able to access her power, has love for herself, uh, treats herself in accordance with that. And she's killing it. She's absolutely thriving. Love that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like it's the be- it's like the biggest joy. I need to do it. I I'm supposed to head over there one of these Thursdays. Um, but last, like yesterday was just wild. But um, yeah, I really want to step into that that container. And I know that there's like a process of of things, but I think it is definitely going to bring home a lot of things that maybe I'm unaware of sure. and bring clarity to so much more. Yeah. And I, you know, I've done plant medicine and I microdose and all of that, but 
I've never stepped into the ketamine container, although I've, you know, looked into it, but it sounds like it's such um, a different way of doing self, the self-work and self-healing and self-processing because it's not just like, hey, here's your mushrooms, like go have fun in the forest, right? It's like, we're here to support you for going through it. Like you've got this container, there's prep work, there's like the day of, there's like post, you know, post work. And I think that is essentially the biggest key and component um, because when you have that support and when you have that sequential process, I think the the happening becomes so much more rich than just like throwing it out there and trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah, I mean, when I sat with with ayahuasca, I remember the the curandero saying like two percent happens on the mat, like ninety eight percent of it is like what you do with the findings. I have another teacher that says like medicine is like Disney World, it's like Candyland, it's like amazing and beautiful and colorful and insightful and like all you know but then it's like what are you going to do with that because if you don't implement it or integrate it it's just like it's just like a cool experience right like it's really all about like taking the findings and weaving it into your practice like what did you what like with this client like like helping her realize why she felt so unsafe in her body why it felt so threatening to feel discomfort in her body and then helping her to transform her relationship with herself where it's like her body now gets the memo that like she's a woman now, not a little girl. She mm. can actually sit with discomfort and it won't kill her. In fact, what it creates is a really embodied woman who sees herself as the woman capable of holding herself through anything. And that's, that's fucking power. That's, that's power. Mm -hmm. And like, like unwavering, like no one can ever compromise that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So good. So how can listeners connect with you? Um, do you have any programs coming up? Um, give us some deets on that and everything will be in the show notes. If you want to link up with Jillian, um, and connect with her in some way, shape or form. Yes. So I, so this program for women is called the garden. Um, the name of my business is the root cause method. So I'm obsessed with nature and trees. And I just think that like all of our information comes from that. So plus I'm a Virgo. So like I'm earthy. Oh, yeah. So earthy. <laughs> so, um, the, I have a, a program running right now, but the next one is going to open in January. So I'll start talking about it, uh, early December, most likely. And so that's such an incredible space. Like the thing that happened for me was when I was struggling and I was in treatment center, um, prior to being in that space, I thought I was the only one going through the weird things that I was going through. And treatment taught me that like, all of a sudden I was hearing my story come out of another woman's mouth. And it was like, I felt so incredibly seen. I felt so supported. There was accountability. There was sisterhood. So that is such medicine in and of itself. Plus there's a one-on-one -on -one dietary component of like me actually looking at your physiology and supporting hormonal imbalance or gut health issues, running diagnostic tests if we need to, like the GI map. So it's like one-on-one -on -one support with me as the dietitian, but then like the sisterhood and the community and the sharing and the supporting each other from the other women in the group. So it's really, really potent. It's a 13-week program, three ketamine experiences over the course of those three months super freaking potent. So next one's launching January, but then I also have that exact same arc 
as a one-on-one. -on -one. So it's the same thing, all the different modalities and modules within that garden program structure, um, ketamine three times, but it's one-on-one. -on -one. So it's for the woman that you know might not feel comfortable being in a group dynamic yet or doesn't want to wait until January. And so that's kind of amazing because we have the flexibility of starting whenever and there's no cohort and all of that. So those are really the two passion projects, offerings that I have. There's a functional nutrition component that uh, has been the bulk of my business up until now. This client won't stop texting me. Um, but I'm, I'm really wanting to move more into this deeper work because that's really where my gifts are and my what I love. That's what fills me in terms of work. So I do have that functional nutrition offering, but I want to promote that a lot less because I really love this other stuff. It allows me to, to continue to do my science stuff, my, my physiology stuff, but with a much deeper level of potency. So oh, thank you so much. I want to sign up. I'm like, where do I sign up? <laughs> Come get some girl. So that my I'm website ready. is <laughs> I'm ready to do something like this because I believe in it, but I've never stepped into it in that kind of container. Yeah. And I think like you said, it's, it's definitely, um, potent. Yeah go there in that, in that way. Yes. Yeah, so you can find, you can learn more on my website. It's the root cause method.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but like embarrassingly inactive. So you can find me there very sporadically Jillian Acosta underscore RD. I did show my face today for the first time in like a month and a half. So like today's a good day. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> You gotta kind of go with what you're feeling. At least for me, like on the gram, I'm like, some days I feel like posting like five times, and other days I'm like, meh, I'm just gonna. I'm a pretender. It's like I I show up when I want to show up, and I show up in other ways. You know, I flow, and it's like, yeah. I cannot force myself to show up on there when I don't want to, because then it's inauthentic. And so I just exactly. like honor myself and the way that I work and the way that I flow. And this is what it's looking like. <laughs> exactly. Love it so much. All of the information to link up with Jillian will be in the show notes if you want to scroll down there. And we are so, I'm so grateful that you're going to be a part of this upcoming event in November. If you're interested, it's going to be the weekend of November um, 18th, 19th, and 20th. And Jillian's going to be speaking there. It's going to be so exciting to have all of these amazing women underneath the same roof, like with the same mission of connection, community, and self-expression in such a different way. So love it so, so much. So, so grateful for you and your time. I definitely know that we're going to be working together in some container in the future, for sure. I feel it. Yes. And yeah, snaps. snaps. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Thank you for this. Yes, absolutely. Thank you all for listening.